And from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And first I'm going to read it in the NIV and then in the message. It's on page 1149 of the Pew Bible. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Worship engages our whole life. Wow. You're going to need your imagination this morning, so I hope whatever colour cap that is, you've brought it with you. And I want you to start by imagining it's Monday morning and you're queuing in the butchers. I choose the butchers because there always seems to be a queue in the butchers. You're queuing in the butchers and you're humming away to yourself, slightly unaware of what's around you, and you're humming one of those earworms that you've picked up from today. Rejoice, rejoice, let everyone rejoice, or Christ be in my waking. Something has got into your head, and you're humming it to yourself. And suddenly, there's a tap on your shoulder. And the person behind whispers in your ear, I recognise that. Where do you worship? What's your response? Where do you worship? What do you say? Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, I suspect... Quick as a flash, you'd say, oh, I go to Christ Church Downend. And you'd be right. And you proved it this morning. But that's not the answer Paul would have given. From Romans chapter 12, Paul would have said, I worship everywhere. And I worship with everything I've got. For Paul, worship isn't a place that he went. It was an attitude of heart. It wasn't something he did... It was something that determined what he did. Now, it's easy to say, isn't it? Wasn't the worship great last week? And it was. As if worship is something you go to, you attend, that you take in, that you enjoy. But Paul is talking about a different sort of worship, a worship that comes from within and finds its way out. Do you remember the conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. She asked him, where should we worship? And Jesus said, a time is coming 
where you will not worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship is from within. So Paul is telling us worship isn't an event you go to. It's not a great song. It's not how much you give. It's not even helping with the church move, though you will do. (laughs) Those are all expressions of worship. Worship is the attitude of your heart. Webster wrote a dictionary and he wrote in that the definition of worship. And I like it. It says this, worship is to honour with extravagant love and extreme submission. Worship is to honour with extravagant love and extreme submission. It comes from the heart. So true worship is defined just by two things. Who God is in our lives and where God is in our priority list. So it comes from the inside and determines what we do on the outside. Now, outward expressions can be meaningless if the heart isn't behind it. Songs can be sung, but if the heart isn't submitted to God, it's just words. Perhaps it's even hypocrisy. It's like a man standing here on his wedding day, pledging lifelong fidelity The next day he's in a nightclub, up to no good. It's just words. It's hypocrisy. It's meaningless. In actual fact, it's hurtful. Our worship is hurtful to God if it doesn't come from our heart. Worship only comes when our extravagant love for God flows out from within us, responding to his first extravagant love to us. So, Romans 12, verse 1. We have the very motivation for worship here. Paul says, it's God's mercy which is our motivation. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves. Our motivation is God's mercy, God's love. Now, as a preacher, you always know you're in trouble when you get to chapter 11 of Romans and you read the word, therefore. It means all the previous 11 chapters have to be lumped together into one. Therefore, is those 11 chapters. That is God's mercy. Paul has written Romans in two parts, and the first part is all about God's mercies. So what's in those 11 chapters? Well, Paul has been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, eternal love, eternal grace, eternal joy, everlasting peace. Saving faith, comfort, strength, hope, wisdom, patience, kindness, honour, glory, righteousness, security, freedom, forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, sanctification. I could go on. It's lumped together. Those are God's mercies to us. That is God's extravagant love for us. That's how he's loved us. And then comes our response. Wow! Awe, wonder, adoration, praise, thanksgiving. In other words, worship comes out when we respond to God's love. But how do we express that worship? Paul continues, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's how you express your worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now I can feel the break coming on here when I start talking about sacrifice. We don't like sacrifice. We don't like worship, but we don't like sacrifice. 
Sacrifice is uncomfortable. Sacrifice involves pain. Sacrifice speaks of losing something. It's negative. We want to avoid it. We think of the Old Testament. We think of the perfect lamb killed. Its blood poured out on the altar by the high priest to atone for the sin of the people. That's sacrifice. But of course the blood did nothing of the sort. It didn't atone for the people's sin any more than our communion wine atones for the people's sin. It points us to what does. It points us to Jesus, who alone on Calvary atoned for our sin. We don't need a sheep sacrifice. We don't need an altar. We don't need a temple. We're going to find out very soon. We don't even need a church building. Although we'll be doubly grateful when we get it back. A living sacrifice is not about death. It's about an offering. It's what we give. We are to offer ourselves as a spiritual act of worship, offering our whole body, our hearts, our minds, our hands, our thoughts. It's not just offering our voices when we sing, it's offering our whole selves. But how do we offer our whole body? In verse 2, Paul goes on, by renewing the renewing of your mind. See, where the mind goes, the will quickly follows. And in Corinthians, Paul says, you've got to have the mind of Christ. So we can't offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unless we have the mind of Christ. And how do we have the mind of Christ? He tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conform to the world. That's what we're fighting against, conforming to the world. We want to fit in and not stand out. We have a lighted candle here. You can't hide a lighted candle in a dark room unless you cover it up or snuff it out. If we conform, we are snuffed out. No light. I control the trust fund of my cousin's daughter. It's a long story. The trust fund is very small and other resources are even more scarce and she's at university and last week she said to me I need a new phone so I did a bit of research for her and I found some excellently reviewed smartphones 250 to 300 pounds shall I send you 300 pounds then you can buy it no she said I need double that I need an Apple iPhone I have to conform to what everybody else has and everybody else does. Otherwise, I stand out. Don't be conformed to the world. Actually, Paul says, don't be conformed to anything. Don't be conformed to the church. Don't be conformed to the Christians around you. Don't follow anybody or anything. Be transformed. Transformed into the likeness of Christ. That means having your heart set on Jesus, your desire set on Jesus. You have the compassion of Jesus in your heart. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, transforming you. But it doesn't happen unless you let it. You need to be willing, you need to say yes. So Paul says, willing sacrifices, transformed. So our worship comes out of a heart that loves Jesus. As Bill Clinton might have said, 
It's the worship is all about love, stupid. It's about love. Without love, I'm a clanging gong, a noisy cymbal. Without love, I'm not motivated to change. Without love, I'll blend in. Without love, my light will go out. Love for Jesus is what motivates us to be transformed. No love, no worship. I told you you need a good imagination, and you're going to need a particularly good imagination for this one. I want you to imagine that I have arrived home holding 12 red roses. What's the first thing Belinda's going to say as I go through the door? Yeah. Why? Why have you brought me these flowers? Now, depending on the answer, will depending on, depend on whether the offering is acceptable. I want you to get this. Depending on the answer will depend on whether the offering is acceptable. I'm holding the flowers. And I say, well, it's Valentine's Day, dear. And flowers are what husbands are supposed to do. How's that going to be received? Yeah. What I'm saying is, I'm bringing these out of obligation. I'm obliged to do it. It's what I have to do. Where do you think those roses will end up? God doesn't want our worship because we have to do it. It's not out of obligation that we worship. If we do worship out of obligation... Listen to what God said to Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard to them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to your music anymore. Have you got it? That was their worship. It's not acceptable to God. It's not just Amos, not just the Old Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, they brought a half-hearted offering to God. They dropped down dead. It's not acceptable to God. It's quite serious, isn't it? Okay, back to my roses. Obligation didn't do it, did it? I'm standing there with my roses in my hands... And I try a different tack. I say, I knew you'd be unhappy if I found that all your, if you found that all your friends had been given roses today and you hadn't. So I didn't want you to be upset. Where's the green recycling bin? First of all, I tried it out of obligation. That wasn't acceptable. Now, I'm trying it out of fear of the consequences if I don't do it. I'm worried about judgment. God doesn't want us to bring our worship because we're frightened of him, because we think, he, we think he'll judge us if we don't bring it. It's not out of obligation we worship. It's not out of fear of judgment we worship. I'm still there with my roses. I'll try one last time. What if I say, I deeply and passionately love you? 
I think of you all the time, and as I pass the florist, I couldn't help buying these for you so that you can see on the outside the love that I feel for you on the inside every moment of every day. I told you you need imagination for this. This is... Okay, the roses are now on the route to a vase, interrupted momentarily by a gigantic hug. That's the love of our hearts for God. That's where true worship comes from. It's love that makes the difference. You can do the same thing time and time again. It's love that makes the difference. The cost is the same, but it's love that makes the difference. It's love that gives it meaning. Only when it comes from love is worship acceptable to God. So the question today, is our day-to-day life a valentine for Jesus? Are we so in love with him that we can't stop thinking about him, we can't stop wondering about him, we can't stop singing about him, we can't stop expressing an extravagant love that we have for him? We're just eager to please him. Jesus, what can I give? What can I bring to so faithful a friend, to so loving a king? That's our every thought. What can I bring you? It's love that motivates. So it's not a love that's squeezed into a period of time in the week. It's pervasive. It's all the time. So let's think about tomorrow. You're not in the butcher's. And I don't have my roses, but let's think about tomorrow. Where will you be tomorrow and what will you be doing? Who will you see? What will be happening in your life tomorrow? And as you think about that, are there things that could occur and might occur that will not be honouring to God? Because that's what Paul is talking about, making a conscious decision when you look at tomorrow to say, I'm not going to conform to what the world expects me to do. I'm going tomorrow with a transformed heart, on fire with love for Jesus. And we go into tomorrow, and I just love that bit in the message where uh, Eugene Peterson says, readily recognise what he wants from you And quickly respond to it. That's our attitude of love. That's being a living sacrifice. It's tomorrow we say, I want to recognise what you want from me and I want to respond to it quickly. You see, we used to talk, still do talk, about the M's of fruitfulness. The six M's. That's what God wants us to do tomorrow. He He wants a living sacrifice, an offering tomorrow from you modelling godly character. That's your worship to him tomorrow. He wants an offering from you tomorrow that you make good work. He wants an offering from you tomorrow that you minister grace and love where you find yourself. He wants a worship offering tomorrow from you that you mould the culture around you, not it moulding you. He wants you tomorrow to give him a worship offering as you become a mouthpiece for truth and justice. 
He wants you to give him a worship offering of being a messenger of the gospel. This is our true act of worship. You see, it's easy today to worship God when we're together. Our challenge is when the church is not gathered, but when we are scattered to worship God. That's what we're called to do. That's what Romans 12 means. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. May your life tomorrow be a valentine for Jesus, a whole body offered to him, holy and pleasing. That's true and proper worship. Amen.